Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Harris Cherokee Resort. Find us online at caesars.com slash Harris Cherokee. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. It is a day of birthdays around the uh, Dog Nation World Headquarters studios. I was fully prepared to begin today's broadcast by extending a happy birthday to my daughter, who turned six years old today. And what a big time that is around our house with her turning six. Today is her birthday. And yet I've also been given some intel that today is also our colleague Mike Griffith's birthday there as well. So we'll wish him a happy birthday in person when he joins us a, a little bit later on. A lot to do with all of that. However, let me... Uh, uh, also say this you know there are kind of two kinds of fans within our audience two groups that you can sort of split fans in now at different times you can sort of split fans in you know various groups but in this particular instance there are kind of two categories that most Georgia fans kind of wander into somewhat naturally either one side or the other there are fans who love hearing good things about UGA so and so thinks Georgia won the national championship that's just music to the ears of a certain kind of Georgia fan they really like hearing that and you know obviously I enjoy the the off-season hype and the conversation the hot takes things like that so I probably kind of gravitate towards some of that kind of stuff a little bit I like telling you about what other people are saying about UGA some of you really like hearing that however there is another side of that coin though another side of that coin which is there are some Georgia fans who very much believe in what Nick Saban the phrase that he coined a few years ago at the idea of rat poison that anything that is said good about your team is the potential pitfall that a team can fall into they can start believing their own press clippings they can start buying too much into all of that and that can end up being a trap that you fall into that saying good things having the media tout you having the media hype you up is not a good thing and there's a certain category of Georgia fans that don't want to hear so and so saying George is going to win the national championship or George is going to win all of its games or George is going to do this or George is going to do that it is to that second group group of people that I'm speaking to right now if that is the way that you feel that compliments about Georgia praise of UGA uh, that that's all rat poison that should be avoided today is going to at least for the next few minutes be your kind of show because as we get ready for Georgia and Clemson coming up to open the 2021 season there are apparently at least a few doubters of the Bulldogs out there. Georgia apparently at least has a little something to prove as you head towards that big season opener. Of course, we found out yesterday, 7.30 p.m., primetime kick for Georgia and Clemson. A lot of fanfare around that. Not unexpected that the game would be at night and it would kind of occupy that when you think about like biggest game of the of the week, a lot of times you do sort of think that 7.30, 8 p.m. start, Georgia and Clemson kind of having that. Not unsurprising to hear that, but at the same time, validating what we already know, that this is just going to be as big a season opener that Georgia's ever played, arguably as big a season opener as almost anyone in college football has ever played. This has been on Kirby Smart's mind now for quite some time. I love what he said at the Paul Feinbaum show going back a few weeks ago when he was asked by Paul, hey, you know what does it mean to open the season against Clemson you know this is one of the reasons why you love having a Georgia alumnus as your head coach there's just an appreciation for the history of the program that would not exist if you kind of pluck some guy out of some other region or somewhere where you know maybe he grew up doing something else Kirby Smart grew up in the state down there in Bainbridge he has Georgia football literally flowing through his veins and so when he's asked about what does it mean to open a season against Clemson Kirby Smart knows exactly what it means this is what he told Paul Feinbaum recently. You know, it's a rivalry game, and you go pull your fan base, which is really the most important thing. And you look at your alumni base, and you look at your financial supporters. You're saying, "What do you guys want?" And to a T, they want to see these kind of games. You know, the one benefit we found last year was playing the conference games only. That was so important to the fans. They love those games, and uh, to go out and get a Clemson, which you know most of our uh, financial supporters and our alumni base, that's a game they grew up watching. They want that game. They want that game year in and year out, and that's probably the same way for Clemson. I think Dabo would tell you the same thing. It's a great opportunity to go out and play a really good program and open your season that way. So when Kirby Smart says his boosters, his donors, his you know fans, the big folks around the Georgia program, those that that kind of you know help you know carry the freight for for UGA football when he says they want this kind of game 
What I take smart to mean by that is they want the prestige that accompanies this. They want the idea of playing that recognizable brand, both in terms of the long time history of Georgia football as a child of the 80s. When I was a you know young, young child growing up, Georgia Clemson back then was a gigantic deal. And a lot of the folks who are paying the freight for Georgia football right now remember that from back then. They want that for the historic reasons, but they want that for the prestige of the fact that Clemson's kind of always in the college football playoff right now. Obviously, on the other side of that, he says Dabo and Clemson probably the same way, both for fans who remember back when the Georgia game mattered very much as a non-conference rival for Clemson, but also because these Clemson fans hear a lot about the SEC dominance and everything that goes along with that, that Clemson is kind of you know, diminished in the eyes of some because they play in the ACC instead of the SEC. For Clemson, that creates its own level of momentum to get a chance to play Georgia. We kind of all understand all of that. There is a lot of prestige around Georgia Clemson. But I think at least on the Georgia side of this for right now, you could also point out that this game provides a big-time measuring stick as well. We are starting to see some of these you know, early what you call like look-ahead point spreads. You know, the, the, the sports books now do these things like the games of the year where – while most point spreads are kind of released the week of the game when it comes to college football in the summer late spring you have this scenario where you kind of drop your games of the year here are some point spreads for the entirety of the season the biggest games kind of get mentioned there and fan duel i saw had georgia as a three-point underdog against clemson brad power sharing a lot of this with you on twitter there we'll look at some more of these for georgia a little bit later on but clemson as a three-point favorite against georgia according to fan uh, fan duel i believe draft Kings, the other big national sports book, has Clemson as a four-point favorite there in that. So you've kind of got a scenario right now where, in addition to the prestige of the game, in addition to the callback to the great annals of Georgia history, it's also a fairly substantial measuring stick for UGA that Georgia is not favored in this game against Clemson. Now, on the one hand, that seems to make sense. Clemson's been a fixture in the college football playoff. They've won multiple national championships. They have literally kind of tread on ground that Georgia has not yet been on. We all understand that. But on the other hand, it's not like Clemson doesn't have its own share of unanswered questions right now. In the loss to Ohio State, offensive line for the Tigers did not play very well at all. That was a game which the Buckeyes really beat up on Clemson pretty good. Clemson's lost, what, two of its last three games against ranked opponents. If you count the one game, uh, I, I believe I have that number right, if you count the one game that Trevor Lawrence did not start when they went on the road to Notre Dame and lost, obviously they beat up on the Irish in a revenge game in the ACC title game. So you know, it's not like Clemson is – you know, doesn't have its share of, of an answer questions right now. It clearly does. But according to the folks who are going to set these lines and kind of set the taste for the rest of the college football world, at least the betting public on this, Clemson a little bit more of a known commodity than Georgia is right now. So on the one hand, there's a element of Georgia fan who kind of likes that. Hey, let me sneak into Charlotte against Clemson. Let me be doubted in that game coming up at 730 there on that night. That's all fine with me. I'll go out there and watch my team prove all these naysayers right wrong a lot of georgia fans kind of more comfortable with that well if that's true you're going to really like this then you know we have spent a lot of time over the course of the last few weeks talking about georgia moving up in some of the way too early top 25s which by the way aren't quite so way too early anymore now they're just preseason rankings and all the media outlets have them and as i said before whether it be cbs or espn or some of the big ones we have mostly seen Georgia moving up from where they were in January to where they were during the spring. And the one point that I've made on the show about that is, is that it's actually somewhat remarkable, even if you don't care about stuff like this or think it's, as I said before, rat poison or at the very least just fodder for conversation, even if you would kind of you know, disregard the significance of this, the fact that you know media members can make a you know, legitimate claim to Georgia actually finishing the spring better than it started it or better than it started the calendar year of 2021 is actually somewhat remarkable given the fact that the big story for Georgia this offseason has been the injury to George Pickens, the wide receiver, and the fact that Georgia still moved up in some polls or some rankings, I guess you'd call them, on the heels of the Pickens injury is actually somewhat amazing. However, there is at least one contrarian opinion on that, more anti-rat poison for Georgia fans who want that. USA Today 
Day, which in its earliest iteration of its preseason ranking had Georgia at number two, has now moved Georgia down to number five. Citing the Pickens injury is the number one reason for that, but also citing that game we just talked about against Georgia Clemson with the big question, and maybe if you want to look for the reason why, as we said before, Georgia right now sees itself as a point spread underdog against Clemson. Maybe USA Today crystallized this as well as anybody. Let me give you a couple of sentences here for why that national outlet has moved the dogs down in its preseason ranking. The writer says Georgia again will have one of the better defenses in the country, especially in the front seven. But is there enough offense with an opener against Clemson before the challenge of the Southeastern Conference schedule? That's USA Today explaining its reasoning from moving Georgia down from where it initially had it at number two down to number five. And that last question that's asked about Georgia, that is still the thing that kind of looms largest. Does Georgia have enough offense to go out there and beat a team like Clemson? Now, you may be saying in response to that, well, come on, B.A., Trevor Lawrence is not at Clemson anymore. D.J. Uyunglele is not exactly a proven commodity for the Tigers, and Travis Etienne's not there anymore either. Who knows how healthy Justin Ross is? I get all of that. But in the kind of, you know, annals of like sort of mainstream media who only has a few minutes to spend on any one program, the reason why all of those potential issues for Clemson just don't get paid that close attention to is because we've seen Clemson pass the baton in the past from Deshaun Watson to Trevor Lawrence, and the offense, if anything, got better over the course of time with doing that. You've seen you know wide receivers cycle through the program. You've seen running backs cycle through the program. Clemson has now become, in the eyes of you know writer for USA Today, a little bit of a, of a given known commodity. Georgia, on the other hand, hasn't quite established that same pedigree on offense and so as we head towards that season open for all the prestige that exists around it for everything that's going on uh as you get ready for charlotte the big crowd the full tailgating all all of the pageantry of college football on fuel uh, on full display at least in the eyes of the media the big storyline in the game would appear to be can georgia really make good on its promises of developing the kind of offense that allows it to keep pace with the rest of the country for now there's at least a little bit of skepticism on that that's why you see georgia as an early point spread underdog for those who hate the idea of rat poison it sets up this game for exactly what you want it to be a chance for georgia to prove all of its critics wrong a chance for georgia to validate just how much it's improved on that offensive side of the ball and if that takes a place against clemson you better buckle your seatbelt for what happens after that. As you know, it's a very manageable schedule, one in which Georgia could build up a lot of momentum leading to everything that happens, college football playoff and beyond. lot to prove for the dogs against Clemson. My name's Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Uh, we're presented today by Harris Cherokee Casino Resort, and we're glad to have you with us no matter how you get to us today. Live on video, 10 a.m., Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, radio at noon, of course, on Athens Sports Radio 960 The Ref. And we are available as a podcast wherever you find them on all the podcast platforms. Apple, Google, Spotify. Many of you listen right there through SoundCloud. We post the show each and every day at the worldfamousdognation.com. By the way, that's a great place for you to go to. Even if you access the show a different way, most of you do, but even if you access the show a different way, if you'll go to the show post at dognation.com, that's a, for, for those of your podcast listeners, you can type a comment or a question in that and then be a part of our podcast cooldown, which we've now added courtesy of rs andrews to the end of all of our podcasts it's been a fun way for us to interact together if you want to be a part of that the comment section at the bottom of the page of dognation.com is a great way for you to be able to do just that all of this made possible today by our friends at harris cherokee casino resort of course it's a great time to get away two-hour drive from atlanta both the harris cherokee casino resort properties the original property and harris cherokee valley river Beautiful mountains of Western North Carolina. Really fun casino gaming floor. It's real table games. So much fun to be able to do there. Gourmet restaurants, of course. Uh, you're talking about world-class shopping, luxurious spa, and now sports gaming in the Harris Cherokee Casino Resort properties. As so as we're doing, you know, the pro basketball stuff right now and the hockey stuff and obviously, uh, you know, Major League Baseball and everything else. A chance to get in on all of that and get your bets down. We're just talking about some early look-ahead lines for the World of 
college football. That's going to be a big thing here later on this fall. College football betting there at the Harris property. So please make sure you check that out. Harris Cherokee Valley River or the original Harris Cherokee Casino Resort. Website to go to to find out more about this. It's Caesars.com slash Harris dash Cherokee. That's Caesars.com slash Harris dash Cherokee. And you can find out a lot more about that. All right. Good stuff there. Update on our big event on Friday coming up in just a moment. Before that, though, around the doghouse here today. Now, let me kind of, I guess, try to put a more positive spin on what we were just saying a moment ago about doubters of Georgia, USA Today, moving Georgia down in its ranking, concern about the George Pickens injury, doubting the UJ offense, well-traveled ground. We've heard this said over and over again many times before. Folks kind of bringing this to the forefront of, for now, we're going to make Clemson the point spread favorite against Georgia because we're not quite so sure this Georgia offense is going to really take that step that it needs to take towards being that 40-plus point-per-game offense that really puts you at the forefront of the college football playoff and national championship conversation. We're going to doubt Georgia there in that regard, and that, I guess to a degree, makes some sense, even if you don't fully agree with it. However, here's the positive spin on this, and we're going to kind of stay you know, point spread related for some of this there as well. So... Even if Clemson is currently favored against Georgia, there's no doubt it's a winnable game for UGA. And, and in fact, you know it, it could be that Georgia actually pleasantly surprises you know many of the folks who don't follow this program quite as closely as many of us do, and really shows up, flexes itself offensively. You got the uh, you know the as you know others have noted the great strength of the Georgia front seven defensively, helping out a secondary trying to work its way kind of back to you know, kind of full capacity here right now. And all of a sudden, Georgia gets that win against Clemson. Let your mind wander here for a moment for what happens after that. Once again, I want to return back to a Brad Powers tweet that I showed you a moment ago about what the outlook is for Georgia once it gets past Clemson, assuming it can win that game. Think about the other big games in your mind for Georgia after that. Does the does the Auburn game come up as a, for instance, Jordan-Hare Stadium on the road, sometimes a challenge? Obviously, the next really, really huge game for Georgia after the season opener against Clemson is the revenge game uh, against Florida. Let me show you these point spreads once again for some of those games, courtesy of Brad Powers, who gets this from the FanDuel Sportsbook here. If you're watching a video, you can see this on your screen. Look at Georgia favored by 10.5 on the road at Auburn. That may not be a huge surprise. Auburn's a first-year coach. Georgia's obviously handled Auburn with ease since losing at Jordan here in November of 2017. Georgia's had its way with Auburn since then. But here's the other spread that really jumps out at me, and this should not be disregarded. Georgia's standing as an eight-point favorite right now, according to FanDuel, against Florida on October the 30th. This is way early. Those lines have a way of changing a great deal between now and the end of October. I totally understand that. But, you know, I follow this stuff pretty closely and for Georgia to be favored by that much against Florida right now is a big departure from where things have been the last couple of years where Georgia's only been a slight favorite in that situation you know field goal favorite and really no more before last year's game obviously game Georgia ended up losing you know less than a touchdown if you want to go back to like say you know 2019 2018 also kind of around that sort of field goal range there that even though Georgia had been kind of having its way with Florida a little bit in 2017 2018 still got the win in 2019 the actual point spread stuff on that did not show much of a gap there for uh, Georgia and Florida but in this particular game in this particular case seeing and that we can bring that down now uh, in this particular case seeing Georgia has more than a touchdown favor against Florida there kind of shows you the gap that would appear to exist between Georgia and Florida in the SEC East, which all of a sudden, as I said before, is a pretty stark reminder that if Georgia can get past Clemson, this schedule opens up for the dogs in a way that few schedules have there in the past. And yes, I totally understand. You don't want to put the cart before the horse. You don't want to start thinking too deeply about this. But Georgia has a lot to prove on seven th- at 7.30 p.m. on September 4th in its season opener against Clemson. And if it shows up the way that some Georgia fans believe it can there, all of a sudden that Auburn game, that Florida game, and really any other game you want to mention for the uh, up- upcoming season, Georgia would appear to be in prime position to really do some big things. Uh, what a fascinating look that is at the season that is to come for the Georgia Bulldogs as we go around the doghouse there, right there. We're going to get Mike Griffith here coming up in a moment. We'll talk to him some more about this. Mike also had a really interesting piece yesterday about some off-season work that's going on for some of Georgia's top players. We'll talk to him about that. Before that, though, 
quick update on our Dog Nation Days of Summer event this Friday. For those of you who've gotten in, gotten your tickets, I'm so glad I got a chance to share this experience with you coming up on Friday. I will tell you, though, that the event now is officially sold out. There are no more tickets to, to get. And by tickets, I mean the tickets for our event, because the way we've always been limited is that space there upstairs for the Terrapin Tap Room. There's just a limited amount of space available for that. And we have reached that capacity. So for those of you that went to Braves.com slash Dog Nation and got your tickets, really appreciate that. I want to send a special thanks out for the Atlanta Braves, who've just been incredibly accommodating for us throughout all of this. The folks at the Terrapin Tap Room are obviously working hard to welcome us there on Friday there as well. I just really appreciate all of them for making this event so much fun. And to all of you who've signed up to be a part of it, you've been telling us that you were ready for Dog Nation to do an event again. And boy, you really put your money where your mouth was in terms of stepping up, supporting us there for that. So we're going to have a great time. We're going to start at 4 p.m. on Friday. We got some Dog Nation stuff to give away. You know, Fox Brothers barbecue dinner, Terrapin tap room beers, or whatever, you know, other beverage you want to, you know, kind of be a part of there for that. We're all going to the Braves game there that night against the Pittsburgh Pirates. It's going to be a great time. Thank you so much for the huge, overwhelming response. And a big thanks to the Atlanta Braves for rolling out the red carpet and making all of this possible. So good stuff. Looking forward to seeing you Friday on that. More details to come for those of you who are going to be there. Also, before we're done on today's program, big transfer news, rumors, and whatnot around the SEC. We'll cover some of that. But for now, on everything UGA-related, the buzz around the Clemson game, some uh, pretty big-time Georgia players doing a uh, pretty fun workout, would appear to be, at least based on some of the stuff you've seen on Instagram lately. Let's cover all of that and more. It's Mike Griffith on a birthday edition of him joining us here on a Dog Nation Daily, presented by Harris Cherokee Casino Resort. Glad to have him, you, everybody else with us here today. Dog Nation Daily, presented by Harris Cherokee Casino Resort. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. Say hello to Mike Griffith here. And, Mike, let me uh, extend the well wishes to you. I understand it's your birthday today. I told our audience before you join us, it's also my daughter's sixth birthday today. So we're deep in the uh, throes of birthday celebrations around our house, and I'm happy to extend some birthday uh, greetings to you there as well. So uh, happy birthday, and I appreciate your time today. Appreciate that, Brandon. Uh, certainly an enjoyable time all the way around and we were talking before you joined us about a little bit of the uh, georgia clemson hype that's out there we now know the game time 7 30 p.m not unexpected but it just does kind of validate just how how big this game is going to be and frankly how much fun it's going to be for so many georgia fans who've wanted college football to feel back to normal again you get every indication this is full stadium full go on tailgating dog nation of course looking forward to being a part of all of that more announcements to come in a future moment on some of that kind of stuff and you also find out i guess fan duel uh draft kings two of the big national brands when it comes to sports books have clemson as a slight favorite there in that game so for the georgia fan who likes the idea of you know having a little chip on his shoulder something to prove the opposite of rat poison mike i guess you're getting a little bit of that now too yeah no doubt well it's like a home game for clemson when you look they play the ACC championship game there every year very familiar setting for Clemson football in Charlotte, North Carolina. And, you know, Georgia's got a little experience here. What, they playing the Belk Bowl? These current players haven't. I, I do think that helps Clemson, though, that they play the ACC championship game uh, every year. I, I do think that helps a little bit. Uh, I like the full stadium, certainly being under the lights. I think the full stadium helps Georgia because I think JT Daniels is a big game quarterback. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, he kind of warms up under the spotlight. That's why he's here. Not to say that DJ's not, but, you know, let's face it, his biggest game he lost to Notre Dame. So I, I think there's more confidence with JT Daniels and the Georgia players around him than Clemson probably has uh, with DJU, you know, especially with Trevor Lawrence gone. I mean, this is, you know, this is a big spotlight for, for DJ and the Tigers without Trevor Lawrence there to, to kind of prop him up. So I, I think there's uh, both teams have reasons to be optimistic I think, as you mentioned, these off-season workouts that, that JT has organized out in California, really big for the Bulldogs. Yeah, I want to talk to you more about that because you wrote an interesting story about that at dognation.com, and I want to hear more about that coming up in a moment. But, you know, for those of us who try to follow this stuff really closely, there are a lot of similarities between George and Clemson. You know, Clemson's breaking a new quarterback. This will be Daniel's first full season as starter at UGA. Georgia may have some questions along its offensive line, at least to a degree. Clemson probably does there as well. 
Both these teams seem to be very strong along their defensive line of scrimmage. And, you know, kind of on and on you can go and find a, an unanswered question for Clemson that's seemingly matched by an, an unanswered question for Georgia probably there as well. And yet it seems like if you kind of pull back to 10,000 feet, you kind of go to the level of national sports book or national rider or whatever else. It becomes this more simplified analysis of, well, we've seen Clemson be in the college football playoff year after year after year. We've seen Dabo Swinney win multiple national championships. We haven't quite seen Georgia do that yet. We're not quite sure yet how this Georgia offense is going to be, especially minus the injury of uh, George Pickens, at least at the uh, moment. And it seems like that's the prevailing wisdom for those that maybe don't quite follow some of this stuff as closely as you do covering the team, me talking about it on the show each and every day, and those who are watching and listening right now who consume all that content. Yeah, I mean, just on the outside looking in, I mean, Clemson's beaten Alabama and, and Georgia hasn't, right? Yeah, I mean, that's a good way to say it. You know, but, 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 you know, they, they don't look closer, they don't examine and realize that, you know, and, and again, I mean, we're, we're splitting hairs, and, you know, we all know that the, that the net result is what counts, but, you know, Georgia's been beating Alabama at halftime all three games. I mean, these are three, all three games were winnable games for Georgia. I mean, last year, the quarterback situation you know, was what it was. I mean, Georgia wasn't as competent there as other programs, and we we don't need to, to you know go over that history again and, and re-examine why Georgia was on a four-string former walk-on quarterback. But the bottom line is, they were beating him at halftime with a four-string former walk-on quarterback in Tuscaloosa, Alabama last year. You know, that that takes some pretty good coaching and pretty good players. Uh, you know, you and I sat next to one another and watched Georgia find a way to lose in 2018 in the in the press box at the SEC championship game. I still contend. If DeAndre Walker doesn't get injured, that comeback doesn't happen. Uh, you know, thank you, Brenton Cox. You know, send him a thank you note down there in Florida. You know, learn how to contain. You know, he has the same problems there with Gators that he did the entire season at Georgia in 2018 when, when him and Walker almost got into fistfuss earlier in the year because he wouldn't listen to the team captain. Uh, and, and then we all we all remember second and 26. So it, it's an it's been a nightmarish run of second half for Georgia. But anybody that understands football and watches the game realizes Georgia could have, and in fact should have, won at least two of those three games. I'm, I'm going to give Alabama this last one because I don't think Stetson Bennett could have pulled it off for four quarters. But 2017 and 2018 SEC championship game, absolutely, Georgia was the better team. Didn't finish, right? So now it's year five of Kirby. It's his program completely cycled through. Not you know Every program should be you know stocked to the level of his recruitment. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think that I think the culture is in place. And you have your marquee quarterback. So I like the way this Georgia team sets up. By the end of the year, those same national people are going to be telling us how it was just a bad year for Alabama, just like when Alabama, uh, you know, got wiped out a couple years ago, didn't make the playoff. You know, nobody talked much about that. Uh, just like the same national people conveniently ignore that Dan Mullen has a show cause and when everybody else starts recruiting on June 1st, the Gators are going to be staying inside. You don't hear anybody national talking about that either. So there is a convenient narrative out there, circling back to your point, that Kirby Smart's a guy that can't get it done, and you can believe that that will be on the bulletin board all summer for the Bulldogs. So you mentioned this, and you've obviously written about it at DogNation.com. I think it's fascinating. First of all, I'm super jealous because it seems like it's a ton of fun. Uh, we've seen a lot of images from some of these Georgia guys on Instagram out there in the state of California. Obviously, that's the home state for JT Daniels, Kendall Milton, guys like that. And you've written about some off-season workouts that some Georgia guys who are even not from uh, California have gone to be a part of out there. This seems like a pretty cool thing. What can you tell us more about in terms of these Georgia guys kind of getting together and uh, having a good time together, but also working on some football? Yeah, it's a great bonding experience. It's been in the works for a long time. Uh, this, this has been planned out. The list has been fluid as far as who was going to go and who wasn't going to go. And, you know, of course, you know, you see guys, you knew Kiaris Jackson. Kiaris Jackson, if anything's going on with JT Daniels, you better believe Kiaris Jackson's going to be there. You know, B.A., I got to tell you, I didn't necessarily understand why Kiaris was tagged as a leader. I didn't understand it. But now, the more I hear, the more I see, the more I watch, I realize why Kiaris Jackson is a leader. Because this is a guy that checks every box, that makes every workout, that does everything he possibly can to be a great football player. You'd like to think everybody does. It's not the case, right? It's great Jermaine Burton is out there. This is big for Jermaine. Jermaine was a little off last year. He was off in the opener, ran the wrong out, interception against Arkansas. He was off in the Peach Bowl. 
You know, Rand turned the wrong way. Nobody missed their practice. Jermaine needs to be a major star, and he needs to be dialed in. This is big, big, big for Jermaine Burton to be out there. You know, and, and then Justin Robinson, probably the starter at the X this year. This is the guy that's got the ability to high point, to make that back shoulder catch. Yes, Jermaine could be uh, the leading receiver, but I don't think he's going to be the guy sliding into Pickens' position. I think it's Robinson. This is big for him. And it's good to see that Donnie Mitchell decided to come. He's a day late, but there was a question whether he was going to go. Good that he decided to go for him. Had he not gone, now, I worry Aaron Smith. I worry about Aaron Smith. I, I do. I worry a little bit about the injuries. I worry about the fact he's running track. I know that's great. Everybody applaud him. But that's not football. And, and it doesn't, you know, he's not going to be as dialed in as others. It's just not. And uh, he's got the rest of the summer to catch up. But uh, I just, I think, uh, I pay attention to the guys that are there. James Cook being there, huge James Cook. Uh, Washington's going to be out there eventually. Bowers expected to be out there eventually. A little surprised, no John Fitzpatrick, right? Kenny McIntosh wants to be out there. Uh, still in Athens, working the elbow, right? Got to get released from, just to be, from that. Just to be clarify one thing, I think there is some social media evidence, though. John Fitzpatrick may be there, I believe. I, I believe did there he, is. Did he end up going? Okay. I think there's, I think there's some it? Instagram photos, things like that, that would indicate that. Yeah. I don't speak fluent Instagram, yeah. but I believe that may be the case. Yeah, no, it's been a fluid list as far as me talking to the people going out there who is expected and not expected to go. But uh, that, that's good to hear John showed up. I bet you it's a deal, B.A., where people start figuring out, wait a minute, if player one, two, three, four, five, six, and seven's there, I guess I better change my plans and go there also. But I, he was not a guy on the original list. So that's, that's great to hear. And, uh, again, I, I haven't spent the day uh, monitoring Instagram, but that's good news, I mean, because this is a really big deal for these guys to get dialed in and in sync with their quarterback in the offseason. And, listen, the other thing here is, obviously it's a chance to do some of that, you know, chemistry work, things along those lines. But I think you mentioned this a moment ago, and I really do believe this is true. You know, there is a deep level of bonding that goes on when you're on the road with somebody. And, you know, JT Daniels from California, Kendall Milton's from California, you know. Uh, but, like, you know, you, you kind of go back there, you know, around people's homes, things along those lines. There's just something that happens in a connection like that when you're kind of hanging out with somebody on their turf where, you know, they're going to be hospitable to you and you're going to, you know, receive that hospitality. And I, I would say that some of the, the human connection that goes on through something like this, I mean, it may be as valuable as the on-field football work that might go on during a time like this. Oh, absolutely. I mean, again, you go back to what LSU did with Burrow. I mean, the, the connection that Burrow made that second graduate transfer year, uh, I don't know, I guess he was almost 24 or 25. He was older, right? But that connection is a second-year grad transfer with the team in the offseason and the time that he spent around those guys i mean that's everything and we we just assume that's how that's not how it is anymore that that's that it used to be that was the norm but now everybody's you know got their own handheld entertainment system their own social media network and teams aren't as close as they once were right i mean it's a different world i mean it's a different society you know being close to somebody now being putting on a headset and playing a video game with them 2,500 miles away. You know, I mean, it's just, there's, that's how things are. And, and uh, frankly, because of their schedules, there, there's not a whole lot of time for that sort of thing. When, when you look at what, what a student athlete has to do now between the, the multiple trips to the training room, uh, workouts, classroom, online classes, um, you know. I, so I think this football building, not only this trip, but the fact that the football building is opening – and gives these guys a, a place to hang out. I know for Clemson, when they built their new football building, uh, what, four or five years ago, uh, that became a, a real center for the players to gather and hang out with one another. That was part of the secret. That's part of the secret sauce of a football building because you go, well, why do they need a miniature golf course? Or why do they need a, a, a you know, a, a, a sauna? Or why do they need this? Or why do they need that? Because that's going to get guys to congregate there and be around each other more. Uh, than they normally would outside the bounds of the practice field. No, I think that's uh, really interesting. I, th I think there's a, a lot to unpack related to all of that. Look forward to seeing how all of this plays out. Uh, I want to ask you about the uh, new transfer to George. We'll do that coming up in a moment. Before that, though, let me remind folks about my friends at secondchance.law. I'm just a big believer in second chances. I'm thankful in my life for the second chances I've gotten when I've really needed them, and I love to see others extend second chances 
when it can really matter for someone. Let's face it, if you're the kind of person that looks back on your history and you say, boy, there's just one time I really kind of messed up and I wish I was different. You know, there are new Georgia laws that actually provide you an opportunity. If you've got a criminal history, that you can actually kind of get some of those issues kind of restricted off of your criminal history. You already know that opens up doors for you to have, you know, better career opportunities. In some cases, better living op- opportunities. This is just a great program. I'm glad the state of Georgia is doing this. And I'm glad that my friends at secondchance.law are helping people understand it better. The way they do that is through a free online quiz. And by simply answering the questions on this quiz, you can determine your eligibility for this uh, program with secondchance.law. Now, uh, this is all really good stuff. And if you're not eligible, you know, based on what you learn with secondchance.law, they can actually work to help you get eligible there as well. So I would really recommend secondchance.law if that's a program that you think that you would benefit from. Obviously, one of the partners there, Double Dog, that means two-time UGA graduate, former Redcoat, longtime listener of Dog Nation Daily. And I just think this is a really good thing that our state is doing. And I'm really thankful for uh, attorneys like the ones at secondchance.law are helping the public understand the program and understanding how they can take advantage of it. So please check out that website. The name of the company is the website. It's secondchance.law. You can check them out today. This is incredible stuff all the way around there. All right, uh, Mike, the other big news around Georgia here this week is the addition of Brandon Turnage, former top 100-level recruit from the class of 2019, kind of top 10-ish level defensive back uh, for Alabama. Never probably quite found a home there. Really has four years of eligibility left at uh, Georgia, given the fact that he registered a year, and obviously last year was kind of a free year for everybody there. Um, you know, I don't think of Turnage as a kind of a plug-and-play guy the way that I would have probably thought of Tyke Smith in that vein. But this is a pretty talented, you know, football player. The Georgia roster, I would say, clearly better with him on it, competing for playing time alongside some other pretty talented guys there as well. What do you make of the addition of Brandon Turnage? Yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting. I mean, you know, you, you know, Georgia's got a guy like Amir Speed that couldn't get on the field for three years. This guy couldn't get on the field for two years. Come to Georgia, so. You know, it's a, it's a guy looking for an opportunity uh, at Georgia, and and I think he'll compete. I, I don't know if he'll be one. I, I'm not ready to I'm not ready to write him off. Not ready to say he won't be a starter. Not ready to say he will either, because I do think it takes time. But I think this is a guy you're going to see on the field. I think this is a guy that probably comes in and is your you know walking through the doors to your third best corner. Uh, you know, Keeley needs time. Keeley's still learning. Uh, Keeley's only played one spring. Keeley didn't play at all last year. The poor kid had a torn labrum and. You know, you need reps to get better. So I think walking in the door, this guy's your number three corner. Um, now, will that hold up? You know, but I, I think that's probably him and Keely Ringo competing for that. I, I think Amir Speed had a really good spring along with Jalen Kimber. I think those are your starting corners. Again, I, I can say I think, I speculate, I project, but, but we got, these guys can go out there in the field. They can, they're going to, they got to compete. Kirby will decide this, right? I mean, this is going to be up to the, the head coach watching that secondary every day. But I wouldn't write this guy off, but there's no question they're better because they need depth that bad, right? They need depth that my green guy, you know, COVID didn't play in the spring. A true freshman, it takes time to learn Kirby's system. You know, the days of saying, well, if he's a talented corner, you just throw him out. That's not how it works. Georgia runs a very sophisticated uh, pass defense. And these corners have reads like quarterbacks have reads. And if the receiver lines up here and if the quarterback, you know, there's all sorts of things to learn in this Kirby defense. The fact that this kid comes out of an Alabama defense is very similar in his principles really helps him out. And like I said, gives him a leg up on some of the guys that are already here without experience, as I mentioned, Ringo and Green. So I think this is a guy, I think this is a major, major addition and, uh, you know, I guess obviously now with Major Burns transferring, uh, the Tyke Smith addition is even bigger. But I, I, I would argue this addition is as, is as big as Tyke Smith. Well, the only thing I'd say about that is, listen, I think that, you know, Turnage, given his credentials, there is a chance that he could eventually blossom into being a, a very good player. I would put him kind of in a similar category to a guy like, say, you know, a Jalen Kimber or Keely Ringo, talented players who are going to kind of try to compete for playing time. I think the difference for me and Tyke Smith is, is that's a guy who was on the field a lot. And, you know, based on some of the national, you know, stuff that's out there, kind of played at an all-American level for West Virginia a year ago. And a defense that actually played really, really well by Big 12 standards. That's not a league that's typically played a lot of defense, but the Mountaineers last year in kind of a 
tough set of circumstances uh, did that. Uh, Jamal Adai was, of course, a big part of that there as well. So, you know, I'm not saying that 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 Tyke's forever going to be considered a better player than Turnage, but just given his experience, I would expect more from Tyke right now. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, the reason I say it's bigger is because, as you mentioned, uh, you know, Turnage has all these years of eligibility left. Mm-hmm. So th- this isn't a one, you know. This is a guy that's going to be. This is a guy that's going to be around. I mean, again, and I don't know. I mean, for for all I know, maybe yeah, I, I just I can't see the guy coming. I can't see Kirby taking a guy that that he doesn't believe is, is going to blossom. You know that that he doesn't believe is going to be an immediate benefit. You know, even though they need the numbers at corner, you see how specific they've been. There's other corners that have gone other places that Georgia passed on, right? I mean, you you, you know, Georgia is a place. You know, when you look at the the transfer list and you're, you're a guy that, you know, like talking with JT Daniels' mom on that Mother Day, Mother's Day special, he knew after you know, Kirby was the first to call him, JT came downstairs and told his mom, we're going to Georgia. He spent another 14 hours on the phone and talked to everybody and was thorough, but he knew. You get that call from Georgia, Brandon, that's hard to turn down. I mean, you know, you, you talk about having everything available to you. Whether it's you know the, the stadium setting, you know the campus, um, you know having a staff like Kirby, being a younger coach, you know Kirby's going to be around. I mean, he's forty-five. What is saving now? Sixty-nine, seventy. I mean, is he going to be there four years for you? Do you really think that? I don't know. Maybe he will. Maybe he won't. But you know, you look at what Georgia has to offer: national championship contender every year. You know, four straight top ten finishes. What what they played last year? Uh, two games where they weren't still a national championship contention, you had to go back to 2016 to find a regular season game. Before this year, before that loss to Florida, you had to go back to 2016 to find a game where Georgia did not control their own destiny to win the national championship. I mean, you, that, that, you know, that's being on, man. I mean, that, that is being on it and being a part of something that's relevant. So, you know, I, I think that, you know, it speaks volumes that Kirby's been this selective. I don't think he's done in the portal yet. I do think the clock is running, though, because I think these summer workouts are going to be really important to players to get in and learn the system, especially if they're coming from somewhere that that doesn't run a similar system. Uh, But I I think it speaks really well for George. I think Turner's great addition uh, to get a guy like this from Alabama. Uh, I think it's going to be a big boost for Georgia. Very quick, because I don't want to gloss over this, but you said, and I think it's worth repeating, that sounds like you and I are on kind of the same page here that, you know, I've sort of, as a fan, I'm speaking as a fan here for a moment, I've sort of celebrated the turnage news as, wow, Georgia's added what I think of as kind of a big recruit who may go on to be a good player the way that some of these other guys might as well. And yet it doesn't quite scratch my, you know, itch for an experienced cornerback potentially there as well. You know, I'm of the belief that George is probably still shopping with names that we've considered before or maybe new names that may eventually pop in or maybe a name that we haven't considered yet. I sort of get the impression that that George is still out there looking that if another experienced cornerback fits that need, they may still kind of snap and bite on something like that as well. Yeah, I mean, as long as that person knows they got to win the job, I mean, they're not going to promise starting jobs to George. That's not going to happen here. That'll happen at lesser schools. Right, and uh, it'll it'll happen with coaches. Uh, you know, you know. Don't even get me talking about the basketball portal now. I mean, the promises that are going on and the reality that's going to smack some of these kids in the face. It's going to be unbelievable. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to be on the sidelines watching this from afar, and I don't root against anybody. I want to be clear about that. I don't root against anybody, but I, there, there's going to be some reality checks in basketball. Do you realize that 37 percent? of the programs in college basketball have lost six or more players to the portal. Unbelievable. It's not there with football yet. Not there with football yet. But uh, getting back to my point, uh, you know, I think part of it is that, you know, Kirby's not going to promise anybody a job. I mean, you come to play corner at Georgia, you got beat out Jalen Kimber, you got beat out Amir Speed. You know, you, these guys earned it this spring, and you got to beat them out. you got to be better. It's not going to be handed to you. Ain't no promises made. Deal with it now. Don't make the promise and deal with it later. Because if you're Georgia, you've got a championship on the line this season. You cannot afford to have your chemistry and your locker room go awry. I I like what Kirby, you know, one of the most encouraging things that happened this spring, and I know it doesn't get fans excited, it doesn't sell any more tickets, and it doesn't make any highlights, is that Kirby started having these skull sessions with his players, where these players were allowed to air things out and talk and get closer. That is every bit as important as putting 
competitive players on the field. And, and again, we've seen that, right? We've seen that. It's not just having the best players. If it was, Georgia would have had a national championship by now. They've had the number one or number two or top five recruiting class four or five years in a row. It's more than that. It's keeping these guys where they don't transfer away. It's keeping these guys happy and good with one another. It takes that something extra. It takes that level of buy-in. It takes that guy that wants to play for the guy next to him. It takes that assistant coach to play the best guy and not worry about recruiting rankings or his reputation. It takes everybody. It takes all that in the SEC because every week is a war. It's not the ACC where you can be Clemson and play two bad, two or three bad conference games a year and still win and escape. It doesn't happen like that in this league. Listen, you put Georgia in the ACC, B.A., they got two national titles by now. If you trade and play, no question. We're going to have a discussion all summer. I know Clemson fans are going to get upset. But look, we put Notre Dame in the ACC in one year. What happened? Boom, Clemson lost regular season game. How about that, right? But getting back to it, got to have the chemistry, got to have everybody on board. The skull sessions were huge, and you got to be careful who you bring into your program. And that's why Kirby Smart is being so selective, looking for those corners, maybe another receiver. Happy birthday, Mike. Appreciate you being here. Appreciate being here. Good stuff. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. It's funny that Mike at the end there brings up the idea of those sessions that Georgia talked about during the spring of trying to bring guys close together. Was it John Fitzpatrick at the very beginning of spring was kind of explaining some of that kind of stuff? Was it Fitzpatrick? Yeah. Who talked about the purpose of a lot of these meetings and making the team feel closer. And I guess in listening to Mike talk, for some reason I was actually going back in my mind and thinking about Fitzpatrick saying that because, listen, you know, when you look at what Georgia went through last year, what everybody went through, on the one hand, you could say, well, facing that adversity and just getting on the field and playing last year was really hard. I mean, I, I, I do take it really seriously the way in which a lot of you know, folks around college football just talk about the level of fatigue that existed around the sport by the time the season came to an end. Some teams didn't want to play bowl games just because they were just sort of tired of doing all the COVID protocols, things like that. I do have some sympathy for that. I understand how hard last year was. Sometimes going through something hard together brings the team closer. But there's also this thing, uh, and I won't even pretend to be an expert on exactly what all Georgia had to do last year. But if you're keeping players separate from each other because, you know, you don't want them, you know, getting each other sick, that's time you're not spending with somebody. And I don't want to get into you know like a mask thing or something like that. But you know when you're all around each other wearing masks, that's facial expressions you're not reading. You know there's a way in which you know Georgia, like any other college football team last year, could have felt more removed from each other than they have in the past. So anything that you can do to bring a team back closer together, there probably is some value in that. Whether it is stuff that's being done, as players told us this spring, of these meetings where you get together and you get you know closer with people in these meetings, or you have a chance some of the Georgia players traveling together during the summer. I'm not going to make too big of a deal about who is and isn't in California because some people, it's easier to get there. They have ties there. They used to go to high school there or something along those lines. That's a pretty expensive trip if that's not you know a place that you have any kind of familial ties to. But for those that can be there for that, that's a pretty good opportunity to kind of grow close to your teammates. I mean, I got to tell you, Around Dog Nation, I haven't seen much in the way of our Dog Nation team. And I see, you know, either Connor or Michael here for the show every single day. I've seen Jeff Sintel in person a couple of times in the last year. I don't know that I feel as close to Jeff as I, you know, once did. Don't see Mike Griffith in person very much. Don't know how close that would make me feel to him. Even my, you know, direct supervisor, I I'd probably see him, you know, in person a little more than some of the others, but not the way I used to see him each and every day there. That there is, I think, a need. That's one of the reasons we're doing Dog Nation Days of Summer on Friday. It's like just kind of nice to get people back together again. And there is something that can be gained by that intrapersonal contact that you just can't get in a COVID world. And I, I get why it had to happen last year. Obviously, a global pandemic's a serious thing. But there are some trade-offs for that. And that lack of human contact, I think it matters. And you know, finding a way to replenish that as you head towards the new year, I think it's an important thing for these football teams all the way around. Hey, quick shout out here to my good friends at Pella Window and Door of Georgia. You know, air conditionings, we crank ours up in our house and it just, from like the word go, it just runs all the time. I am not the skinniest guy in the world and big, big heavy set dudes like the air conditioning, especially when they're sleeping. And so you better believe ours is running heavy at the home. And what I want is I want that air conditioning to stay inside the house and all those like 
bugs. Our porch is just like a repository for every insect in the world. Well, I don't want those insects coming into the house either. So energy efficient windows and doors, good quality, well sealed windows and doors. Keep the outside where it's supposed to be, the inside where it's supposed to be. That's what Pella Window and Door of Georgia can do for you. Also great savings right now as well. You can currently get 10% off your entire project or 0% APR for 24 months. Find them a couple of easy ways to do so. You can call them 678-638-1496. That's 678-638-1496. Or you can go to PellaofGA.com slash DogNation and learn a lot more about this. PellaofGA.com slash DogNation. Please tell them that BA from Dog Nation Daily said that they would take good care of you because that's how confident I am that they will do just that. SEC through time now before our music runs out on all of that. So let me show you the Brad Powers tweets again from earlier. I want to go through some of these points, Brad. I think there's some fun stuff to think about from an SEC standpoint. We'll talk more about this this afternoon on SEC Country Live. Just throw one of these up. Doesn't matter which one. So let's see some of these other SEC games. You're talking about Arkansas hosting Texas. Texas four-point favorite on the road here. Arkansas hates, and I mean hates Texas. You can make a case of the biggest win, one of the biggest wins that Bielema had, Brett Bielema had as Arkansas coach, and I realize that's not a long list of great moments in the Brett Bielema era, but getting that Texas Bowl win against Texas was about as big a deal as anything that he did there. First-year coach Steve Sarkeesian, I think Arkansas can win that game. And if that happens, Connor Riley's shaking his head no. Just listen to what I'm saying. I think they can win that game. Uh, I think Reynolds Razorback Stadium is going to be rocking and rolling. Uh, at least I hope that game's at Reynolds Razorback. That's not one of those weird little rock deals. But that's a pretty fun game. Alabama goes to Florida. Uh, Bama 15-point favorite on the road right there. No real surprise all the way around there on that. Uh, for all the talk about Texas A&M, and of course I've certainly contributed to a lot of that, and Jimbo Fisher and his claims as of late, in uh, Kyle Field right now, Bama listed as a 13-point favorite there at Texas A&M. So the gambling market not responding too much to this. How about Florida as a one-point favorite against LSU right now? You can't get huge money down on this, so these numbers only mean so much. How in the world you'd make Florida a road favorite over LSU right now? I don't get that at all. I don't. I, I don't get that at all. I mean, I'm not saying that Florida can't win the game. I'm just saying uh, that to me seems an absolute misread of the situation. A couple more to get to here. Alabama, 24 point favorite against LSU. Probably no surprise there on that. What else is interesting here? Uh, Alabama, 18 and a half point favorite at Auburn. Uh, let's not forget, though, Auburn has won two straight uh, at Jordan-Hare Stadium. So at least keep that in mind as that game swings back to the to the Plains there. You saw Florida kind of a big favorite against Florida State. I think Florida State's a semi-interesting team this year. I, I think that uh, they have a big early season game against somebody. Who, who are they playing early? Notre Dame. Yeah, that's – that may be one worth watching right there. Keep your eye on Florida State there uh, from that standpoint. That may be worth watching. Let me do a couple of other things real quickly here for our SEC through. There's a bunch of transfer news around the SEC right now. Today's actually a really big day for Auburn. And I think it's at 4 p.m. Eastern time we'll find this out. So Donovan Kaufman is a safety most recently at Vanderbilt, who I guess today is going to choose between Auburn and Texas. I think those are the two finalists for him. And obviously if you're Auburn – a lot of these first-year coaches in the same boat they got roster spots to play with they want to try to bring in transfers to make themselves as respectful as respectable as they can be for the upcoming season and if you're Auburn here you feel like you gotta have the inside track on Kaufman because Derek Mason's the defensive coordinator at Auburn now after being head coach at uh, Vanderbilt before so this is a fairly big decision for Donovan Kaufman kind of choosing between Auburn and uh, Texas and it's at least worth watching to see how Auburn kind of round out and finish the rest of its roster. That's probably worth monitoring there just a little bit. Also, there's a little bit of online chatter about this as of late. And I got to tell you this, I find this to be a little bit surprising. So speaking of Auburn, we talked on the show last week about Auburn as a potential landing spot for TJ Finley. Now, Finley's been kind of talking to some various media and whatnot. Finley, of course, uh, former LSU quarterback, a guy who started, I think he started five games for LSU a year ago. Uh, I think it was two and three in those five starts. But listen, <laughs> right now, if you have a chance to add a player that started five, you know, a quarterback who started five times in the SEC, most uh, most SEC programs would be in a position where they'd at least be looking to consider that. We've talked about Auburn before as a potential landing spot. And part of the reason why I kind of gravitate towards Auburn there for that is because I just 
have this belief that Auburn's really thin at the quarterback position right now. It seemed like they would be the obvious choice here, and they may eventually win that win that recruitment. At one point in time, Finley even mentioned like you know Georgia trying to get involved with him. I don't think there's probably anything to that if I had to guess. Georgia's got eight thousand quarterbacks, so I wouldn't take Georgia too seriously on that. But there is a little online chatter as of late that Alabama, believe it or not, might be taking a look at T.J. Finley. And I don't know if this is one of those things where I guess you'd say Paul Tyson right now, probably the Alabama backup quarterback. You know, maybe they feel like they need more depth behind Bryce Young. You know, obviously, I'm sure if you're Finley, you think you're going to go there and take the job from Bryce Young. Uh, you know, everybody who transfers probably feels that way. But this may be more of like a depth situation for Alabama, not really trusting what it has behind Young there at the moment. But kind of interesting to see Alabama showing up in the recruitment of Finley, or at least a potential landing spot for Finley as he leaves LSU. That is something worth watching. And then also, KD Johnson's announcing his transfer today, right? Yeah, so Johnson, the former Georgia uh, basketball player, announcing his transfer. There's a very good chance that he stays in the SEC there as well. So uh, that'll be another one of those on the heels of Severe Wheeler going to Kentucky. KD Johnson might, might also land in the SEC there today as well. We'll make that your SEC through. As we wrap up today, this is a pretty funny golden shoe. Of course, our Gator Hater roll call, we acknowledge the credentials of the Gator Haters in our audience, and Gator Haters are legion, as you might imagine, on a show like this. And I think today we have a first-time golden shoe winner, frequent commenter, uh, our buddy William Perry, but first-time golden shoe winner. And this is funny, says, B.A., have you seen this one? I had not. It's the Florida team running on the field, and yet instead of the traditional football britches, they are wearing those jean shorts, or I guess jorts, you might call them for short here. For some reason, this really made me laugh. I think this is really funny. It's a pretty good uh, Photoshop. I'm assuming that William, by saying, have I seen this one, maybe he didn't make it. So credit to the author or the creator on that, and thanks for William Perry for sharing it. And William, you will be our golden shoe winner for today. How about our Gator Hater Countdown? 164 days from right now, Georgia goes back to Jacksonville, gets a win over those lousy, stinking Gators. We will see you tomorrow. Dog Nation Daily, presented by Harris Cherokee Casino Resort. Talk to you then, everybody. And on the podcast, time now for R.S. Andrews Podcast Cooldown. We take your comments on pretty much everything happening around UGA. A couple different ways for you to get in touch. And as I mentioned, I think today during the regular show, you know, most of you who listen to the podcast, the overwhelming majority of the audience, kind of listens on some sort of podcast platform that means you don't have to visit dognation.com to listen to the show. Some of you actually prefer just to go to the website dognation.com. You listen through there. But my point here is is that if you listen through the Apple Player or Spotify or something like that, it's still, I think, a nice thing to visit the show page. I post each and every show in the afternoon at dognation.com. It just gives you a chance, to, if you'd like to be a part of our podcast cool down and you don't want to send a message to me via Twitter, you can kind of send your message there in the comment section, you know, at the, at the bottom of the page of dognation.com. I love the interaction we're able to have throughout all of this. So hit me up on the website dognation.com when we post the show each and every day, or of course on Twitter at dognation daily, a couple of interesting posts here today. Uh, B R V H R T in the, uh, comment section dognation.com says going back to Adam Anderson talk from yesterday about being overlooked as one of the top 10 pass rushers kind of kind of writing about that. In relationship to Nolan Smith says, I'd much rather see the dogs underrated or, quote, disrespected. They tend to stay more focused and hungry that way. And if Adam Anderson is saying something, you best believe, and by extension, all the rest of them are angry about that. And I think that's a really good comment. I think a lot of Georgia fans probably feel the same way. In fact, I kind of addressed that sentiment here this morning. There are some Georgia fans who truly believe in the concept that Nick Saban introduced to us not too long ago, a couple of years ago. The idea of rat poison, that too much praise, too many pats in the back, it's not a good thing for a football team to deal with. That you are better proving critics wrong, having some sort of foe to vanquish, more so than validating people who kind of tell you that how great you are. And I think that makes makes a lot of sense. And I don't mind the Georgia team having a little bit of an edge around that. I also think that sometimes some sort of, I guess, ignorance of Georgia is not necessarily related to some anti-UGA bias. It's just one of those things of people just haven't quite noticed yet what's kind of starting to bubble on the surface for this program. You know, 18 to 19 to 20, 2018 through 2020, you see a pretty dramatic increase in Georgia's pass rush, at least in terms of where they were ranked within the SEC, kind of a middle-of-the-pack team in terms of sacks 
2018, similar kind of numbers in 2019. Yet last year, shorter season against only SEC competition. Georgia leapt up to, what, third last year in sacks, more sacks than Georgia typically gets in most years, even though they played fewer games a year ago than they have at certain points in time. So not only does the, you know, ignorance of Georgia and its pass rushers maybe serve as motivation for the players themselves, it also might belie just how much Georgia from a mindset standpoint is kind of improved in that category and maybe ready to take that next step here this year. As I told you in yesterday's show, you know, when Smart in talking about the pass rush this spring, you know, begins a comment by saying, we need to, we have to. Not one of those things of, hey, we just want to win games and however that comes is fine with us. No. Viewing the pass rush seemingly as part of a formula that in a world in which teams are scoring so much and you can only do so much to stay step for step in pass coverage against the very best passing offenses, you got to go out there and affect uh, opposing offenses another way. And the pass rush is still the very best way to do that. And Smart's not shying away from talking about that and giving Dan Lanning some credit for contributing to that. I do believe that keeping Lanning this offseason for Georgia was one of the most valuable things that could have happened. And the fact that that did happen deserves. I think a lot of attention, and so I, I agree with the commenter here. Jim Dog eighty five saying, "Sorry to see Severe Wheeler leaving for Kentucky, but he was never going to get us where we wanted to go." I'm sorry, but a five eight point guard that can't shoot three pointers isn't going to be effective against SEC competition. Maybe he can come off the bench for Kentucky as a change of pace and be a role player. He's never going to be a star, just too short. So I would say that Wheeler. Listen, I don't follow college basketball as closely as I used to, so I'm not going to pretend to be some sort of expert on this necessarily. But I think that it's how you view Wheeler, right? It's like, you know, what I see Jim Dog kind of referencing here is almost the idea of you're going to build a tournament team around Severe Wheeler. And that would obviously be very hard to do because, you know, he's not a great shooter. I think we'd all agree with that. But I think he can be, as point guard should be, a facilitator and kind of a, you know, an energetic player for Georgia, you know, a potential leader. Had he stayed at Georgia, I think at times he showed that last year, triple double thing, you know, you know things along those lines, some statistical benchmarks, the hit along the way there, and see that's kind of the the nature of the current modern basketball world in which we live, where you know this idea of I want to go to Georgia and I want to be the I want to be the guy, I want to be the focal point of the program, I want everything to kind of revolve around me. Basketball now, we see more guys seemingly comfortable sharing the load with other players. Obviously, NBA super teams, things along those lines, an example of that. And so, you know, going to a place like Kentucky where he's more of a role player, for a lot of players, that's kind of a comfortable spot to be in, especially when you do see the way in which there are a lot of guys who've left Kentucky. Now, you know, given given Wheeler's credentials, I don't know how well he'll fit into this conversation, but there are a lot of guys who've left Kentucky having only contributed you know, a, a small portion to the overall story for that team who've gone on to have great NBA success. That's the kind of program that, that Calipari has built. Hasn't worked out well recently in NCAA tournaments, but a lot of guys who are kind of in a sort of a role player-ish role at Kentucky have gone on to have tremendous success in the NBA. And if you're a guy like Severe Wheeler, you probably see that. I mean, this is a blue blood program and a pretty strong validation I'm sure Wheeler sees for himself as a player, the fact that he even has a chance to go there and be a part of that. This is a Kentucky team, by the way, that does need a point guard. So that's the other thing there, too, is he's going to have a chance to be that kind of traditional point guard, not the you know, not the shoot-first point guard, the way we kind of think of modern guys in that you know sport, but actual traditional point guard here. And it sounds like the the, the Wildcats, even with some of the limitations that, that Wheeler may have, shooting the ball, things like that, it sounds like the Wildcats kind of glad to have him. Uh, Duke Duke asked a really good question. He says, if you could draft an all-UGA front seven from the last decade, how many of the current guys would make your uh, first team? So I don't know that I'll go back a full 10 years because my memory starts to fade a little bit at that point in time. But I think if you're looking at you know the top edge rushers at Georgia over, like let's, let's just say the Kirby Smart era here for a moment, I think you'd probably say Aziz Ojolari and DeAndre Walker as your two top edge rushers probably. I think that Jordan Davis is the best defensive lineman of the Kirby Smart era up to this point in time. And, you know, I guess it kind of remains to be seen, you know, what happens for Trayvon Walker this year. I guess I guess on on potential, I'll take a, a Trayvon Walker there for that spot. Um, obviously, if you're going to do front seven, you got to go Roquan Smith clearly as your inside linebacker. And right now, you'd probably say Monty Rice is your other inside linebacker. 
if you're only doing you know front seven guys from the Kirby Smart era. So where does that leave me? My two uh, inside linebackers, Monty and and Roquan. My two outside guys, DeAndre Walker and Aziz Ojolari. Uh, that's my four linebackers. I got Jordan Davis. Is it Trayvon Walker over Jonathan Ledbetter right now? Let's bring in Connor Riley on this for a second podcast cooldown. I think this might actually be Connor's first podcast cooldown appearance. In terms of like better player or potential? Just based on this question, he's saying if if you're if you're looking back to draft, my guess is Duke Duke's not taking guys on potential. He's taking them on credentials. So do you have to give Ledbetter the defensive end nod on that? Right now you have to. So it's Davis, it's Ledbetter, and then I need another defensive tackle. I mean, is it I know it's a similar position, but you put John Atkins side by side with Jordan Davis there on that? Tyler Clark? Clark is interesting. I mean, I'm tempted to go Clark just simply because he was a Hercules, Herculean effort in that in that Rose Bowl win and Trent Thompson. Yeah, the Thompson thing's interesting because even with some of the issues that he had, he still had some good moments in the Georgia uniform. I believe I might be tempted to go Tyler Clark just because it's a slightly different, you know, a player than Jordan Davis. And if you have a huge Rose Bowl, that's good, that's a good yeah. reason as any. So there you go. So we're gonna say Clark Davis Ledbetter. You agree with my uh, linebackers? DeAndre Walker, Zizo Jolari is your two outside guys. Monty Rice, Roquan Smith is your two inside guys. Over Lorenzo Carter. I think I'm okay with that. I mean, listen, I like Lorenzo. DeAndre Walker was certainly a more productive player, both in a role sense and I think as a starting quality outside linebacker. I mean, and listen, I like Lorenzo Carter. I'm not in any way d- trying to d- diminish him as a player, but let's say you had, you know, the technological capabilities to bring one of two guys back to this team for this year. Would you rather have Aziz Ojolari or would you rather have Lorenzo Carter? Probably Aziz. Yeah, that's, I think that's kind of where I'm coming from on that there, too. I think Lorenzo was a good player, but I do think Aziz is just more dynamic. Um, more sacks. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I think it's a really interesting question, Duke Duke. You provide a lot of those, and that's what makes the podcast cool down fun, right? It's like, you know, sometimes on the regular show, it gets kind of hard to kind of get into a topic like that. But a great chance to do that for the uh, podcast cooldown. We do have to run for right now, though, so thanks for making it fun for us. Dognation.com, of course, the place to go to to drop your comments in for tomorrow's show. And rsandrews.com, the place to go for your air conditioning, heating, plumbing, electric needs. Find them online at rsandrews.com. We shall talk to you tomorrow. See you then, everybody.